Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We are starting a new book of scripture today. The second to last book in and the book of Mormon. And it's a good one. You're yeah, going to love this one. if you can believe it. That's where we're at in the book. So the year is wrapping up. This book is awesome for lots of different reasons. One of them, today's lesson, will really focus on prayer, revelation, faith, which is going to be a theme throughout the rest of the book. And I just think right now with a call from President Nelson to hear his voice more, that this is just... Uh, Maybe one of the most classic and thorough spots in Scripture to at least begin the discussion about re- how Revelation works, our role in it, God's role in it, and, and, and all of where those. does prayer fit, and where does faith fit? It's just it's so fun to see all of them come together. So if you've had questions about any of those things, how does Revelation work for me? Um, what should I be praying for? How's the response going to come? Also, where does faith play in and agency and all of that? Yeah, interesting. It's a fantastic section, and this is um, Marone. I'm going to do this. So, oh, before we jump into that, remember for next year. Speaking of revelation and prayer, we are about to start to study a book in January of questions, needs, answers. Questions, needs, answers, and next year will be such a great study of revelation in the doctrine and covenants. We can't wait so for that. Good. And remember the your um, devotional book and journal are on pre-sale right now to get ready for next year. So pre-order them now so you can have them for um, Christmas and then the beginning of the year. So links are in the newsletter in the notes below. Um, Okay, Ether is a translation within a translation. So Ether is actually the prophet who will end up putting the whole record together. Um, But the story starts with a man named Jared and his brother. And that's uh, I counted today, 28 generations back from Ether. Oh, interesting. So it's this huge record. It's about as long as the whole Book of Mormon, the whole Nephite-Lamanite saga, um, but just like super condensed. So Moroni takes these plates, which you remember, remember back in the Book of Mosiah, Limhi's people, when they were kidnapped by the Lamanites and slaves. we had all those maps, that map we were following clear back then. It feels 25 years ago. I know. <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> and Limai, remember, sent off like a group of people to go try and find some help. And they found this deserted, destroyed civilization and these plates among them. And they had them, 24 gold plates. And when they got rescued, they said, do you know how to translate? And remember, he, the um, Ammon was like, I don't know how to read, but my king does. My king knows how to translate. So he translated those. They were kept and passed down with the rest of the records. And then Moroni is instructed by the Lord to put that record, an abridgment of it, inside the Book of Mormon. Was that clear? Yeah. Okay. You did really good. Well, thanks. I was trying and really to, fast. Yeah. Good to job. Do that. So that's what this is. It's a translated little record, almost like its own story. Because they don't, they barely brush up against each other, these people. Remember, the very last of them meets Limhi's people, barely, barely brush up against yeah. each other. But it's almost like Moroni's like, you, did you see what happened to our civilization? 
watch it in fast forward. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. It's like we read the whole Book of Mormon and then he's like, okay, in case you didn't see it, here. Here's just a recap from someone else's story and someone else's point of view. Yeah. So Ether, whose plates these are and book this is that Moroni pulls from, never got to meet Jared or his brother. I mean, just generations before. In fact, it starts right at the Tower of Babel. So what would be Genesis? Remember, the Book of Mormon story with Lehi starts in 600 BC. So this one is going to start clear back in the Tower of Babel, 2500 years BC with this story. And so the beginning of the story, it's it almost starts like this. Like the story, like the book of Ether <laughs> yes. starts really he slow. He into it. Yeah. Make sure you know exactly what he's talking about so you're not confused. And then he's like, okay, are you with me? Okay, I got to tell you about this. Yeah, thing. these And people. before we jump in, let's let everybody look at the board. Oh, yeah. And then we'll just start right into... A lot of fill in the blanks here. And we actually kept this section right here blank that you have on your study guide because it'll just be interesting to see what you'll put in there, but we'll walk you through it. Um, okay, so you meet this guy whose name is Jared, and you get his whole genealogy all the way from Ether, who wrote the book, all the way down to him, starting in verse 33, and you find out that they live at the time when the Lord confounded all of the languages at the Tower of Babel. Remember, the Tower of Babel is a tower that the people tried to build their way up to heaven. They tried to use their own strength and their own wisdom and their own wits to be able to get there. Um... A lot of Bible scholars think in comparison to the city of Enoch that was taken up and maybe they were trying to, they got there through righteousness and a Zion-like people and these other people like, well, we can just build our way there. That's how we're going to get there. Anyways, you know that story. Which is, which is such an interesting like object lesson way of getting us in to this because what the brother of Jared and Mahanrai Moriankumar are going to learn is that it actually does require communication with the Lord to progress. Mm-hmm. Just so interesting. Yeah. You, this can't be done on your own. So we love this beginning aspect of Jared. When Jared and everything was happening, um, all the language is being confounded. Jared goes to his brother. And um, which is really interesting to me. I'm so intrigued by this part that um, he knows his brother kind of has a like an in or something with the Lord. And he says, um, why why don't you ask the Lord that? I, maybe there's something that is not included in the record here. Well, I why love, Jared doesn't I think go it's in himself. 30, well, and I think it's in 34 a little bit tells us. Um, it's a description of the brother of Jared. It says this, he was a large and mighty man and a man highly favored of the Lord. And... Think about those words, highly favored. We see it in scripture. It might be fun if you have a little extra time on your hand to actually just look up highly favored and see who it's attached to. And you start learning what it means. And the word favor can also mean grace. So you could switch that to say um, he was highly graced of the Lord. And do you remember what the word grace means? It's an enabling power or an enabling strength. It's I love the Greek translation for that word grace, which is charis. And it means the touch of the divine on your heart and then its reflection in your life. So I don't think it means that the brother of Jared was more of a favorite than anyone else, which is what we think because it says highly favored. Right, right. 
I think what the brother of Jared knew is how to let the Lord touch his heart and then how to actually act on that or reflect it because he had had that communication process. And that's what Jared sees in his brother. He sees, I see that somehow you have, you are highly graced. You know how to let the Lord's enabling power work in you. And then you're able to accomplish so much for some reason and your prayers get answered. Like I know that about you, your prayers get answered. And I love that because think about in our life, do you know someone like that? That you're like, if you needed someone to pray for you, you'd be like, oh. You'd ask a particular people. Yeah, yeah. Could yeah. you pray for this? Because in our mind there, I, I like switching it to say highly graced. They're just highly graced. They've learned how to live in grace to such a high level that it seems like they have open communication with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So he does. He asks his brother, which is awesome that he's willing to, you know, almost yes. as this mediator here. And he says, cry unto the Lord, verse 34, that he won't confound our language, that we can understand each other as a family. So if you look in the fill in the blanks in the study guide, they're right next to each other. And it was too big on the board. Mm -hmm. But it's neat to look at them. Boom, boom, boom. The prayer, the answer. The request, the answer. The prayer, the answer, just like that. Because the pattern goes like this. In verse 34, he says, Cry unto the Lord that he won't confound our, um, our language. Then here's a pattern you're going to start noticing. In 35, it says, And the Lord had compassion upon Jared. Therefore, he didn't confound his language. Then the second request. Will you also cry that our friends, that their language doesn't get confounded? Don't you like this? He's just like, oh, well. That worked. Th thank you. <laughs> I, I have another favor. Will you pray that our friends' languages won't get confounded also? So that is in 36. Cry unto the Lord for this. 37, again. And the Lord had compassion upon their friends and their families, and they were not confounded. Then, one more, 38. And this verse is so fun. When you look at it, he says, Came to pass, Jared spake again to his brother, saying, Okay, go and inquire of the Lord whether he will drive us out of the land. And if he is going to drive us out of the land, which I'm kind of figuring he might, crying to him whether we shall go. And then who loves this? And who knoweth, but he will carry us to a land that's choice above all the earth. And if it so be, we'll be faithful to the Lord that we may receive that. Um, <laughs> it's just fun that he's just like, yes. you're probably going to drive us out to another land. And as long as you are, can you send us to the very, very best one in yeah, all the, the world? the land choice above all <laughs> yeah. other lands. I had such an interesting experience with this verse several years ago, like a lot of years ago. Um, I got a phone call one day in the middle of the day, and it was my sister, and she had just returned home from her pediatrician. And her son, they had found a tumor on his arm. And when the pediatrician looked at it, he said, this is, this is not going to be good. He, in fact, he sent her straight up to Primary Children's Hospital from the pediatrician's office. And when she got up there, they said, this has 97% chance of being cancer and an aggressive cancer. And she called everyone in our family, just like the story is, and said, can you pray? Can everyone stop what you're doing right now and pray? Well, I was on my way to go pick up my kids from school. I was carpool. So it happened right then. Uber mom. I was the Uber mom. And so when my kids all got in the car, I was like, we're going to pull over and we are going to have a prayer right now for Ashton. 
and this is what's going on. And Grace said to me, well, what, what do you think we should pray for? And in my mind, I was like, okay, if I had a child who was just about to go through all of this testing and um, who knew what was going to happen in the next three or four days and whether they were going to be at the hospital or what was going to be ahead of them. So I said, I think we should pray for strength for their family and for courage for Ashton. That's what I think we should do. And I can remember Grace just looked at me for a minute and she said, well, I'm just going to pray he doesn't have cancer. And in my mind, I was like, but 97% chance of cancer and you, they don't fit you into an oncologist same day. So like I had all that like adrenaline, whatever. And I can remember thinking to myself, should I dash your hopes or should I just like, <laughs> well, it's okay. Everyone else is going to pray for strength and courage. You go ahead and pray. Well, it took about three or four days and then they got the phone call back that there was a tumor on his arm, but it wasn't cancer and what they would do in order to take care of that. And I can remember in that moment, I just felt the spirit. You know, sometimes when the spirit is like, learn from this mm -hmm. moment, that I had prayed for what was safe and Grace had prayed for the land choice above all other lands in that situation. And it's an interesting thought that I have with myself all of the time because sometimes I think to myself, well, but we have to let the Lord's will happen. We have to let whatever's supposed to happen. And we have to learn to be content with that and be able to work in that. But there's also this little piece that we are going to watch in this story where the Lord says, sure, go ahead and pray for the land choice above all other lands. And one of the things I want you to watch for, and I think an important lesson that I want to point out right now, and then we want to watch for it for the whole rest of this lesson, is this thought in the Bible dictionary under prayer, and it's several columns in. It says this, the object of prayer is not to change the will of God, but to secure for ourselves and for others blessings that God is already willing to grant, but that are made conditional on our asking for them. Which when I read that the first time, I was like, well, I don't get it. I don't get what that means. Because if God already knows his will and he already knows what's going to happen, why do I even pray? Because he already knows yeah. what's going to happen. On the other hand, he tells me right here, there's some blessings he's willing to grant, but it's conditional on me asking for them. And then what does that mean? And this story right here is such a great example of that because of this. Just think about this for a minute. Did God already know where the promised land was before sure. Jared even, the brother of Jared even prayed? Yeah. He already knew. Did he already know it would be a great place for the brother of Jared and all of his family? He Absolutely. already knew. But what if Jared hadn't told his brother to pray? What if? Would they have ever made it to the land choice above all other lands? In question. Because how right? would they have even, who would have built the barges? Who would have showed them where to go? And one of the things that we're going to learn, and this is why I want to tell you now, because I want your brain to come back to it. As long as the brother of Jared is in communication with the Lord, they make forward progress. As soon as the brother of Jared stops communicating with the Lord, what happens? Stuck. 
Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. But yeah. he had the land the whole time. He had it reserved for the waiting in his hands. But there is something that we learn about prayer that comes in the asking for it. Yeah. There's something about that asking for the land choice above all other lands, but then trusting God's will that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's interesting the combination of those two things together because I was looking at the balance of that today and not knowing where I'd put a heavier percentage on. And I, and I don't even think it's an equation because it's a relationship more than it's an equation, right? But I don't think God would have given them the blessing if he didn't ask for it. Like I think that there are things that happen in this universe because we ask God to do them. Now, it's his power that does it, and it's because of his compassion. I, I, I mean, I think you wouldn't want to leave that out ever. Yeah, I don't I think you want that. to say like, oh, because I asked, you know, he did it. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Because he's compassionate, willing, and able, and because you asked, you know, this is what. Oh, this is the door that opened. Yeah, right, yeah. right. You're asking, opened the door to the miracle, which was motivated by God's goodwill right? And compassion. So it's really, really neat to see that there. And I love that you talk about compassion for this reason, because all of you know, I have um, seen the other side of that coin, right? And there's probably some of you who are like, well, we prayed for the very best thing and it didn't happen for us. And so did I earlier this year, right? And then I lost my best friend to cancer. And sometimes that is God's will. But what is the same about both those stories that is so awesome is his compassion mm -hmm. in both of them and the ability of like he's not going to take away mortality from us he, right. he isn't we are going to walk through things that are discouraging and disappointing and failures that is mortality that's where we live right now but we're also going to live in a realm of miracles and every so often our journey is going to end at a promised land right. that's also true about our god yeah, and it's it almost makes you want to um, retreat from the whole from engaging, mostly because while I'm I'm too afraid that the answer is going to be no, um, and I think I mean in my case that's how I feel sometimes where I'm like oh plus he already all that kind of can he already knows and what what mm -hmm. of this and that and stuff but actually there's something really exalting uh, and tender and binding when we approach God and say out loud what I really, really hope for, even though the possibility is there that the answer will be different, that I, that I still pour out, that there's something still, I mean, I, it would just be tragedy if someone said, well, he's probably going to say no anyways, so I'm not even going to ask. Well, and, and it's interesting to think about what you said a little bit earlier, that are you looking for a result or a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting because if all of your focus is toward a result and things don't go your way every time, then eventually you probably hate God. Yeah. But if your goal in prayer is a relationship and trusting whatever way it goes, then that's different. And I think that it would be interesting to think, am I a person who is focused on results or relationships when I pray? Yeah. Because it might change your prayers. And it's interesting 
I love about this story that it is a tutoring on talking to God from the get-go, right? It's right. from the very beginning. It's if you go and ask, he is going to show compassion. Somehow you are going to feel that compassion in your life. And is that true? I don't know. But is that true every time? Do you start looking and seeing, like I can't even remember a time we were praying for years for an unresolved thing in our family. And the big thing we were praying for did not resolve. Like if you had asked me if God was answering that prayer at that time, I would tell you, no, he is deaf to us right now. But in those same prayers, I was praying for that big thing. I was praying for little things too, just like you do. And I could see the answers to the little prayers, which made me think to myself, well, if he's hearing and he's answering the little prayers, then surely he hears the big prayer. It was in the same prayer. He has to hear the same the prayer. So there's something I just don't know yeah. right now. And, it, and then it really gives you a chance to exercise trust in God. And like, watching for compassion. Right. Both of those where you're like, I really am putting this into your hands and trusting that your will in this is actually good. Yes. And, then, and even if it takes time. I wrote this, had this thought earlier, I wrote this down here that I think a new way I'm kind of describing Christian faith or faith in God right now is um, confident that he can, hoping that he will. Mm-hmm. And going into it like that. Like, I'm confident you can do this. I'm hoping that you will, but I trust that your will is good. All at the same time. Oh, is that not the most vulnerable place to be? But but that vulnerability is what seals us together with him, I think, during this lifetime. Well, and it's what we're about to go into next, because this is the one thing that I think is so interesting is the Lord says to him in verse 42, when you have done this, when you've gathered everyone, when you've gathered your family and your friends and all the people, because now he's about to take them to that land. Because he asked. Yeah. Because he asked. Um, he says this, when you have done this, go at the head of them and meet in the valley. So everyone's going to meet in the valley. And then... Which is so cute. I know, it's so cute. He's like, go get your stuff, go get your stuff, everybody meet in the valley. And (laughs) then he says in verse 42, And there will I meet thee, and I will go before thee into a land which is choice above all the lands of the earth, and there will I bless thee. Now just think about those things for a minute. As you start gathering the um, promises for covenant Israel, this is almost an identical prayer or blessing or promise that he gives to Jacob. Remember in Genesis 28, when he says, I will be with you, I will keep you, I will stay with you, I will bring you back here again, and I will not leave you until I have done everything that I promised you. Exactly those words. That yeah. is a that is a promise to covenant Israel. It happens in um, Genesis 28. It happens again, actually, in Deuteronomy 2, 7, which I love. That scripture, I I didn't bring it down. Oh, but I can I'm to it. Yeah, it's so good because he says he's talking to the children of Israel, and they've been wandering in the wilderness for forty years, and it's about to be the time when they get to go into the promised land. And then the Lord says this in Deuteronomy two seven, the Lord thy God has blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. Pause before you get to that part because it's interesting that it says. 
he's blessed you in all the works of thy hand. And Moses, after the 40 years, might say, like, there were times I think you didn't, <laughs> yes. you know, and, and, yes. and now maybe with this perspective. Yeah. What about you when can... we got tired of the manna? Right. What about the quail? What about when we couldn't find water? What about when I went up on the mountain and everybody made the gold calf, right? right. I'm sure his mind was thinking that. And then God's almost saying like, no, I worked in the disappointment also. Yeah. Like, yeah, because he says to him, he knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. And this is what I love about that. He wasn't just watching that 40-year journey from above. I love when he says, those 40 years, I was with you. Mm-hmm. Like I did that wilderness journey with you. I was in it. And why was he there? Compassion, right? To make sure that you lacked nothing. Which is so interesting because sometimes we read it, like you said, and we would be like, yeah, but was this a lack? But when God sees the full eternal picture, what we think might be a lack and what he think might be a growing is probably two different things. Right. Like he's watching an increase this way where we're like, wait a minute, I feel like we're missing out on this and this. And and I think he's like, no, I'm growing you right now. You're, this is an increase. You just don't recognize it as an increase. And in a book of scripture that is famous for its sermon on faith, it sure begins with like a demonstration of it. Because all of that requires us to trust yes. God's heart. Every single part of this is like at the, the, at the bare roots of this has to be, a, I believe that you are good. And that you have my goodwill in mind. And it's so interesting because we kind of went through and we were like, remember he asked for this and then this happened. He asked for this and then this happened. And then he asked for this and then this happened. And the land choice above all their lands. But there's such an interesting line in verse 43 at the very end. He says, and thus I will do unto thee because this long time you have cried unto me. And so what feels to us like it all happened in one weekend maybe was a really long process of what was happened there, but also what's going to happen, right? We're going to right. watch a long process of prayer right now. And this ends up being one of your favorite um, stories. Should we jump into that part where he's been praying? He's going to be led. Um, do we want to go here right now? Yeah. I just think it's worth pointing out that you get to halfway through verse four, um, chapter two down to verse 14 and they've been there for a while. They, they got to a beach. They started to travel. God was with them as they traveled. Everywhere they went. They built barges. They crossed water. They, kept, they just move, 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 move all through the land. Then they get to a beach. And maybe it was a really, really nice beach. It because like they, it yeah, because they Bananas were yeah. growing in the trees. Because <laughs> they set up camp. And they're like, we are going to stay here. This is our promised land. And it says <laughs> in verse decided. 14... It came to pass at the end of four years that they'd been there at that beach. The Lord came again to the brother of Jared and stood in a cloud and talked with him. And for the space of three hours did the Lord talk with the brother of Jared and chastened him. So all teenagers, if you are mad that you have gotten a lecture that the other night for like 12 minutes, that ain't nothing. Okay. This is a three hour talking to um, because look at the end of 14, he remembered not to call upon the name of the Lord. So 
for some reason, this person that we categorize as this praying champion. A highly graced yeah. man, right? Who's figured out this God relationship, which I actually love that part because do you ever have times in your life when maybe you are a little slack on your um, prayer, life. prayer life? Yeah. That you're like, oh, I, I probably could do better. And I love looking and being like, and so did Mahan Ray Morian. Yeah, Moore. yeah. And I bet that he was saying prayer over the food, you know? But I, I don't, it seems like he wasn't engaged in that listening, Forward. hoping, asking, yes. that whole like... Forward progress or momentum. Type of prayer relationship, right, yeah. with God. He was comfortable. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the beach, for heaven's <laughs> sake. It's the beach, right? Um, and I'm so, on a four-year beach right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, is a prophecy from 2021 to 2025. We'll have, um, in fact, it's so interesting that spoiler I'm alert so to next. I thought you were going to say I, was I couldn't finish that prophecy because I just didn't years. know. Um, <laughs> but how they sat on that beach for so long, and then in next time's lesson, they will be in a storm for almost mm. a full year straight. And it'd be interesting to interview the brother of Jared and Co. and say. Tell me who you were at the end of the four years on the beach, you know, and tell me who you were after a year on the storm. Yes. And, and. That's so interesting. You know, who do you, who, who'd you become through that entire thing? So anyways, he, he teaches him, gives him a good talking to about, maybe it sounded like this. I don't know, but Mahanrai, we find out his name later. He doesn't even get a name, the whole book, bless his heart. <laughs> um, he maybe said to him, like, why did you stop asking what do I do next? Yes. Right. Well, and I think it's interesting because there's two interesting things here that happen right before verse 16. One is this, because I think to myself, why was he chastened for not praying? I wonder, you know, mm-hmm. it thinks it seems like we're going well, like everything was fine and they lived in that good place. But it's interesting. It's because he was stuck. And I think the Lord looked down and was like, I see you're stuck right now. Like you're not necessarily going backwards. But you're not progressing where you are right now. And do you ever have those moments where you're like, am I stuck right now? What needs to be changing in my life? And it's cool that at the end of that verse, 15, he puts his mind back on that choice land. Again. Yes. That well, like, I, that's what I want to show because oh, it's okay. so awesome when we get was... there. Um, and I think this is important too. He was blessed at the time. He was on the beach mangoes. for heaven's he sake. Had mangoes. Yes. But he was missing the fullness of the Lord's mm. blessing. And I think that's important for us to remember. And then he, the Lord tells him this, you got to repent. You got to start praying more because you're, you need to remember my spirit will not always strive with you. It, that's not just a given, which I think is so interesting when he reminds him of that, that he's like, you, if you're not careful, you'll be fully cut off. Like that thing that is the relationship, it, it can be terminated, which is so interesting. Well, it can die almost, yeah. right? Because it's a living yeah, thing. Yeah, because he's not going to terminate it. Right. But you you can. You, right. you could be like, I'm not going to pick up the phone anymore. And then I love when the Lord says this, because I think the brother of Jared said is exactly what you just said. This, this is our promised land. And I love when the Lord says to him, okay, these are my thoughts upon the land, which I would choose for you. Like, do you... Do you want to ask me what I think the land should look like? Which don't you think that it's interesting that he's just like, oh, I can wait until yeah. you're not satisfied 
hear any more, but I actually have something better in mind for you. And I love the thought of that. And and for your children and your children's children and your children, right? Yes. Like he always, God has always this intention of blessing the nation of people yes. and like more and more multiplying that through them. And he's just like, and the beach is nice. something better. Right. Yeah. So he says, 16, go to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that the Lord said that to him. Go to work. And I want you to build these barges, kind of like the ones I already showed you how to build. Um, so these are barges that are built kind of like Nephi style of, of ship, unlike any kind of other instructions. They got the instructions from the Lord and they seem to be so obsessed with how cool they are in verse 17. They just are like, absolutely. Well, have you ever like... wondered how tight they needed to be yeah. by the end of 17? You don't wonder. Yeah. I, I am so curious why Moroni felt like that was so important to say this. Cause he's just like, just so you know, they were exceedingly tight, like a dish. In the bottoms, they were tight like a dish. In the ends, they were peaked and tight like a dish. And the length was like a tree. And they were tight. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Like like a dish? Uh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> um, thank you so much for that. So you've got these beautiful barges that the Lord has, has created for them. And I think that's really, really important as we enter into the next section of it. Yes. That like the big work has already been done. I already made and designed these really beautiful vessels for you that yeah. will cross an entire ocean, by and the way. And you can be sunk under the water and, and they're going to withstand. And whales yeah. and waves and everything. And it's like, for a whole year, wood. They're made out of wood. They should leak, you know. But they according to the Lord, look at this. <laughs> the Lord's instructions are so... So it's just, don't forget when you come into this part right here, the incidentals. You know, well, air is not an incidental, but you know, um, like the little incidentals here, they're just like, oh, the big work has already, like God's already designed these beautiful things for them. And then Jared goes, brother Jared, and he cries into the Lord and he just kind of explains. Now, this is where you're going to find the three problems is in verse 19 that there's this chart for and a really cool, like just, um, again, case study and different ways that God answers and our involvement and, and things like that. So... You know the story that in 19, he just says, okay. Well, and it's fun. Are you going to list out the three problems? Yeah. That's what yeah. I think you should do first. Right. Num- he says, okay, number one, there's no light. Uh, number two, we don't know how to steer these things. They don't have a sail or anything like that. And also, and most of verse 19 is in the biggest problem. He says, we shall perish. <laughs> For in them, we cannot breathe. Um, <laughs> do you love that? He's like, Lord, it's going to be dark in there. And, um, and, and we don't really know how to steer them. Oh, and we'll die. If we ride in them, um, just kind of a third, just the third on the list. He's like, you designed them and I see three flaws. (laughs) You know, like this is a great design, but you didn't think about these three. He doesn't even want to bring up the worst one first. He's just like, oh, and um, if we ride in them, we'll die. I I mean, if that's a problem, I don't know. Um, Because the airs, they, they don't have any air except the air that's already in them, which thank you for that air that's in them. But therefore we shall perish in verse 19. So his, you can put these in any order that you want, in order that he says them or in order that he answers them. But it's interesting to think about what was the answer, the revelation from the Lord for that particular problem? And then how does the families of the brother of Jared respond? Which is important. Revelation always requires a response. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, but they go hand in hand. The Lord's going to reveal something to you and... And part of that equation is the response to the revelation that's yeah. come. And, and I love I that we get to see it here. 
Yeah, President Irene has a, um, there's all, when the Lord, da, 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 there's always something to be done about it. We can look that up. But I'll make that, that's how it ends. It's that, it's that whole concept. There's always something to be done about it when the Lord reveals something. So the revelation is in verse 20 for the heir. And I think it's kind of funny that nobody thought of this, but whatever. Um, the Lord's, <laughs> On their own? Yeah. I was like, like, every time I read but this Remember, story, he told him it had to be tight like unto a dish. So oh, everyone was probably like... Nervous? Kind of hole in there. Okay, yeah, maybe so. But I'm kind of like, uh... So, to verse 20, this is neat because he says, Behold, make a hole in the top and also the bottom. And when you suffer for air, unstop the hole and receive air. And then it shall be the water won't come upon and, and you can close it up in case you go underwater. Um, the revelation to that first question on air, which was his biggest one, I think, right? You can do it without light, you know? Yeah. Uh, steering's probably second, most important. But third, he just says, oh, here's the answer. I have the solution for you. Here's the instructions. Do it exactly like this. And they do. So they go, they get the saw, and they cut a hole in all eight of the ships. Isn't that our favorite kind of revelation? Let's just stop for a minute and think about that. Who loves when the revelation is just comes immediately and it's exact? This right. is exactly what you're supposed to do. Don't you wish that is how it worked every time? Yes, I, I do. <laughs> it's so easy. Just here you go. This is exactly what you need to do. And then, oh, that was so easy. Yeah. And maybe still a lesson on asking from the Lord. He's like, I just want you to ask. Yes. Um, because why wasn't it in the blueprints, <laughs> you know, yeah. originally? Okay. Do we want to do steering next no, or last? last. Okay. Neca, the, ne, <laughs> naked. <laughs> no one's naked, everyone. Okay. The second problem is light. This one takes the most time and has the most um, repercussions, the answer to this one. But he says, when he says, Lord, uh, uh, verse 22, we did what you said about the air. How about crossing the water in darkness? Do you, do you want us to suffer that? And today when I read it, I thought, what an interesting question that he's just like, because if you do, okay. We will. We will. But do we have to? Can we have light in there? Uh, and then verse 23, here's the revelation. The Lord asks him, what do you, what do you want me to do about that? You know, um, that you may have light. And then he kind of explains to him probably what he already knows. You can't have windows for they'll be dashed in pieces and you can't take fire with you. Duh. They're wooden boats, right? So he goes through all of those things and he says, there will be times when you will be underwater and cannot unplug your hole. So to get the light from the sun. So yeah, you're gonna, you would spend a lot of time in darkness. What would you like me to do about that? Which I think is an interesting revelation mm -hmm. because he's putting it into Jared's hands, sort of, but, they, but it's still in, his, in God's hands. Because yes. he's saying, what do you want me to do, to do for you about and it? And it's so interesting that 25, when he says to him, um, I like when he tells him, I'm gonna put you, in like you are going to be, I will bring you up out again, out of the depths of what's going to happen. And winds are going to go out of my mouth and rains are going to come and floods. Like this is how I'm going to move you through here. And I love what he says in 25. I prepare you against these things for you cannot cross this great deep save I prepare you. And don't you think it's so interesting when he, he says to him, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're actually not capable of the journey that you're about to take mm -hmm. without me. You're, you're not capable of it. 
Um, you cannot cross this great deep, save I prepare you against the waves of the sea and the wind which has gone forth and the floods which shall come. Therefore, what will ye that I should prepare for you that you may have light when you are swallowed up in the depths of the sea? And it's so interesting because I think we sometimes, we're swallowed up in the depths, right? We go on that journey where we know what the depths feel like and the darkness. And I love that the Lord is like, what will ye that I should do that you could have light in your dark place, whatever that dark place is? So the response to this is, um, is interesting and impressive. Jared, the brother of Jared, just says, okay, um, let me think about it, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, because there is some time in between that conversation that he has with the Lord and and the time that he has his next conversation where he takes the stones up, you know, if you know the story. So um, something, some amount of unknown time is in there where he must be thinking and wondering and, oh man, what? And walking what? up high mountains and praying. If yeah. You just have to wonder if that's happening because don't you love that he's like, he doesn't just go up a mountain, but it's a mountain of exceeding height. Right. And he, this um, is in three, moving into chapter and three. And he doesn't just pick the first 16 stones that he sees right there when he's like, well, could you just bless, here, here's 16 stones. Could you just bless these? But he actually moltens them out of a rock until they become white and clear and they're going to be transparent. And you love that he, he doesn't just kneel down right there where he did the work, but he takes them clear up to the top of the mountain. Like there's just so much process yeah. happening here. And you almost see just his, um, his state of heart. In the fact that he does that the deep reverence respect and uh humility that he has to walk right back up the mountain because can god answer it down here sure but he probably doesn't be want to be by all the people and there just is something about i i'm about to ask a big favor and you can tell he's nervous oh because so right many here times. when he says um, this hi, he kind of I is know, like nervously he's explaining he's so everything. Nervous. He's like, don't be angry. He tells him because of my weakness, like this might not be good enough, but don't be angry. This, this is my best. Yeah. This where does he, what, what does he even, do. what does he even call him? Um, Oh, at the end of three, I love at the very end, but behold these things, yes. which I have mo- like, he doesn't even like, cause I think maybe he feels guilty to call them rocks. You know, yes. God made these really big, beautiful boats for them. And then he's just like, and, um, I mean, I got these these things. <laughs> he calls them things. And you know? I love when he says that one thing at the end of verse two, where he says, "You, you're the one who told us we must call upon you, because from you we receive according to our desires." Right. This is their Bible dictionary, right? Here. Yeah. This yeah. is their what we look to here. They had that same phrase that they talked about that you told us if we call upon you, then you will hear our desires. And it's so interesting that just coming around again. Yeah. And then when, um, starting in verse four, you get this other, so you see this deep humility. And then in verse four, you see that confident that you can, hoping that you will, because he says, you have all power and you can do whatever you want for the benefit of man, which is so powerful to add that little phrase in there. Therefore, touch these stones with your finger and prepare them that they may shine in the darkness. Verse 5 is so just powerful. He says, behold, O Lord, thou canst do this. You know? Mm-hmm. He says, you almost like this. You can do this. Mm-hmm. 
that is a unique type of faith, you know? Um, I've heard you can do this. I think you might almost like he's in, like he's encouraging a kid about to ride a bike. It's yeah. just this interesting, like you can do this, Lord. Um, we know that we're able to show forth great power to things that look really little. You can turn our really little stuff into great, powerful experiences. And then you have here a section of scripture that we're not going to go a whole lot into. Um, but are you going to do six? I love this. I love that he stretches forth his hand and he touches them one by oh, one. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't just like wipe his hand over and they're all turned to light. It's so interesting to me that he touches them one by one, which on one hand hints at the lesson that we love that he's just so individual about um, what he does. But another lesson that I see here that I think is really important is that the Lord does do things line upon line and precept upon precept. And he does sometimes do things one thing at a time. Even when we might wish he would just be like, here. But there is a process. Don't you think that's so interesting? Yeah. There is a, a pattern and a way of doing things. And you love um, just Jared, the brother of Jared watching him one at a time go through and touch each of those stones. Yeah. Um, you know this story. Maybe here's a couple things that you might want to do with this vision if you're interested in a little bit deeper of a study. Um, one of them is to just make a list of everything that the brother of Jared learns about um, Jehovah as Jesus Christ who will come. There is so much truth that is a part of our Latter-day Saint theology that comes from this so as we, well, we're not even about to get into the Old Testament year, but we learn so much theologically about Jesus Christ, Jehovah, who he is, what he does, what he's been doing in this, this vision here. It's, it's a, a remarkable vision. Moroni that knows, Moroni says, I can't even share with you everything that he learned here. And what he does share is just mm. like mind blowing. But you remember he saw the finger and Jesus asks him, did you see more than this? And he answered, verse 10, like he is his pattern to do. And he says, no, Lord, show yourself to me. I want the choicest land. Yes, you, know? you love that. You just love that part about him. Yeah, and then he does. And you hear from Moroni and from the Lord where it's almost this interesting, um, the Lord says, I could not withhold I was not able to. Elder Holland calls the brother of Jared an uninvited, although not unwelcome guest into the presence of the Lord. And uh, he's just kind of guessing here when he thinks, is this why he says, I've never seen faith like this? He says, normally I invite people into my presence, but your faith invited yourself into my presence. And it is just this like, yeah. wow. Now, before we go on to air or the steering, I think it's really powerful. Look back for just a second at this. Here is a person that is now categorized as one of the greatest prophets of all time, you know, and of all scripture. Mm -hmm. We would call him that. I think it's really powerful to consider that he's a person who struggled with prayer for four years. And he's a person who brought just rocks before the Lord. He's like, and a person who was a little bit afraid and, and timid and was still able 
to have these experiences and have this type of connection and relationship with God. And I just think, I mean, he doesn't even have a name in scripture for heaven's sake. <laughs> yes. And he's one of our greatest faith yeah. heroes. And that's so inviting to somebody like me that you too can experience the wonder of relationship with God. Yeah, it's so good. I think it's interesting because we watched in the first one, he prays, the answer comes immediately. He just gets exact instruction. And sometimes you want to be like, and that is how you know you know the Lord, right? Is when mm-hmm. that happens. That that that's. But it's not true in this story. And sometimes I like to ask myself this: What was the miracle in this second example that we gave? Because is the miracle that the rocks turned to light, or is the miracle that the brother of Jared saw the Lord? Which is the miracle of this prayer? Isn't that so interesting? And it makes you realize, although you think you want the air answer every time, the answer that reveals the Lord is the light. Mm. It's the walking up the high mountain. It's the molting of the stones. Is that a word? Yeah. (laughs) It's um, it's It's the prayer. It's the process sometimes is what reveals the Lord in our story and it's important to remember that and and reveals who we actually are because you learn a lot about the character of the brother of jared from it like he learned a whole lot about himself and about the lord because of that process yeah i still want the air one (laughs) i don't know know. i don't know your spirit really wants this other one one is i'm seeing what time it is because don't you want me to tell ian's story right now so bad Mm -hmm. um okay so we have this cute boy who left from our house to go and serve a mission. And while he was on his mission, he had never read the Book of Mormon ever, which is what makes me think of that because you just love that. Like there's no requirement for the Lord engaging in mm-hmm. your life. You know, you don't have to have well read said. the Book of Mormon 10 times. Well All the only requirement is Heavenly Father. And then it just opens up that relationship, right? It's just, I, I want to enter into this relationship. So he was preparing for his mission, but he got his call and he was going so fast he didn't have time to finish the Book of Mormon. So I told him, you just keep reading from where you are and you will finish it on your mission. And so he went, he left, he went on his mission. And he wrote home to me one week and he said, I was, I had the most interesting week. I was reading in Ether. I'm almost done with the Book of Mormon, he told me. I'm almost finished. And I was reading in Ether about the story of the brother of Jared. And I had read the story and him touching the Lord touching the stones, and then they had gone out to teach. And as they were walking down the stairs in their apartment complex, this cute lady who was in their apartment complex that they loved had been walking down the hall, and something happened, and she fell down, and she hit her head, and she started to bleed, and she was unconscious. And they ended up having to call an ambulance and then also had to ride to the hospital with the woman because nobody knew who she was. They were the only tie. And so they went to the hospital and sat in the waiting room, And while that whole thing was happening, Ian said to me, I was so frustrated. I just sat there in my chair and I thought, I'm doing everything I can. I came on a mission and I am trying to read the Book of Mormon and I'm being obedient to all the rules. And why do I not see the hand of the Lord working in my life? Why did this just happen to our friend? And why am I the one sitting in the waiting room and we can't even find our family? And 
where is the Lord in this story? And he said, after they got everything settled there, he went home and he didn't pick up his scriptures for several days because he was so mad at the Lord and the fact that he couldn't see his hand working in his life. And then about three days in, he said, I thought there must be something about the story I didn't understand the first time. And this is what I love about Ian so much is he went back to chapter three and he read the whole thing again because he said, I knew there must be something I was missing. And he read the whole thing again. And when he got to the end, the spirit whispered this to him. If you can't see the hand of the Lord, look for his fingerprints. And he said, I started looking back, just not just at that week, but at everything that led me to even be on a mission where I was and everything that happened shortly before that. And I could see God's fingerprints all over my life. And I love the thought of that, that sometimes the light journey, the touching the stones journey, it doesn't take place in an afternoon. It's the journey of coming to know the Lord. That's what that journey is and it's such a good one then we go to this last one and this is what i love to say about the last one the steering of the boats how how are we going to steer these things because i just think this to myself if my three boys if we went to san diego and my three boys sat on the beach and put together a boat none of my boys are boat builders can you imagine garrett and caleb and josh putting together a barge and getting it all ready, getting everything gathered, and I then trust they Tanae came. And Megan <laughs> and Grace. And, uh, and they came and got us, and they were Natalie. like, "Everybody, get in, get in!" <laughs> and we would say, "This, where are we going?" The promised land. How long is it going to take to get there? Just time. Also, where is it? <laughs> And how are we going to get there? Like, who gets in the barges? That is the question I want to ask. Who gets in? Realistically, do you? Would you? No, I need Siri too bad in my life. I know. Like, I am so amazed. We do not read about a big argument on the beach in front of the barges. Because right. realistically, he's like, how should we steer this thing? Where even is it? I don't uh, even know where six. I'm going. It's in six. In six. How are we going to steer these things? And, uh, end of two. Um, at the end of verse two. Oh, no, I lied. Uh, four. End of verse four. Yeah. Okay, I so love this. So you have to sneak ahead into next lesson to see this. Chapter six, verse four. But you just need it at this lesson because yeah. it's so good. Because they prepared everything, their food, the food for their flocks and herds, all the animals, the fowls, everybody. And then they... Like, this is where the argument should be, yeah. right here in verse 4. Like, we're not getting on there. Nothing. It just says, they got aboard of their vessels or barges and set forth into the sea. And then there's this one line that, seriously, I say to myself all the time. Commending themselves unto the Lord. And this is what we learn about number 3. It makes me a little bit sad because you've had the moments. Sometimes revelation doesn't come. It just, it's true. It's true right here. Sometimes it doesn't come. You can do all the preparing. You can do all the work. You can have all the prayers in the world. You can see the Lord. And there will still be moments when the revelation just doesn't come. And I love that their answer wasn't, well, we should wait here for four more years. Because we don't know. We don't know what to do. 
I love that that's not their answer. I love that they get in and that one line and commended themselves to the Lord. And there will be times in our life when we have to do that. Mm -hmm. When we just have to commend ourselves to the Lord and say, I know the fierce wind is going to come and I know the depths are going to be there. And I know there's darkness ahead and I don't know how many days. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know what it's going to look like when we get out of this, but I'm going to trust you with this, with this thing, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust you. And I think it's interesting that we learn three different things from those responses, right? The one response is do whatever God tells you to do. Just do that. Exactly. The second response is it's okay sometimes to try and work things out and to think about things and to pray and to go to the mountain a hundred times idea and yep and just put it in your hands and just some little things bring it to the lord yeah and sometimes all we can do is commend ourselves to the lord that's all we can do yeah and the promised land you comes it still comes with all three of the revelations and the responses the promised land still comes yeah and Moroni seems to stop in chapter four, if you want to study that one, as just an invitation to everybody reading this later and to say, um, this can be all of our experiences and God can manifest his character. We can learn about ourselves and we can experience our own promised land. So good. Um, as the ending invitation. And I love, let's just do, do that one last line. I love when it tells us in here, after he sees Jesus Christ, it says, And he knew in verse 19, chapter 3, verse 19, he had faith no longer for he knew nothing doubting. I love that verse so much too. We just thought it'd be interesting for you to take time this week just to think, what is it that you know beyond doubt? Because through the process of time over the course of a life, there are going to be certain things that happen that you just look back at and you're like, oh, but on that day, I knew nothing doubting what were those things and maybe that was the conversation on the beach yes someone's like how many days where are we going and then the brother of jared could have said like listen i don't know this and i don't know this and i don't know that but let me tell you what i do know about him and maybe that was enough to pull the ladder out and jump in the boat so good okay more goodness next week yeah the journey it's getting so good (laughs) really good ciao This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.